Okay, here we go. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' holy name, we love you, thank you, and praise you. We don't take you for granted. And Lord, for those times and those ways that we do take you for granted, we ask for your mercy. Please forgive us. Holy God, you are an awesome Lord of heaven and earth, and we so need to worship you, to find our life in praising you. Give us the grace to do that well today. Bless our families. Bless those who are listening, whose families are struggling right now, who need a bit of encouragement. Lord, may what we share be a blessing to them. May it glorify you. And Lord, we ask you to invade our family in a new way. I just come and, and move in our midst in a new way. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. And with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Carrie, one of the things that I was taught in um, small group um, dynamics, small group realities, is that anytime you take away someone or you add someone, you go back to the beginning. That in the life cycle of a small group, they have these different stages, right? You have storming, norming, performing, mourning, and, and then you get, oh, no, it's forming. It's forming, storming, norming, performing, <laughs> right? And, and so the idea is that, well, if you really want to perform, you've got to, you know, you're being formed as a group, and then you storm, you brainstorm, who are we, what are we all about? And then from there, you come up with some norms, some rules of the road. And then once you have that vision and those rules, then you can perform, and then when you lose a member or the time together ends, you mourn the loss and then you come back. So does it feel like that? Do we feel like you are at a new beginning? We're well, not just the new beginning of a month, but we there's a new forming in our home. We just had a family meeting earlier today because the four oldest kiddos, all girls, are out of the house. And so it's a, it's a, it's a new family. It's a new thing. There's something new and different. I like change. I like starting fresh or starting over or starting. It's not really starting over. It's reforming what what we have. So I'm excited about it. Um, it is odd because some people will think, well, you still have five at home. Doesn't it seem like crazy or busy? Or And I think each person has such a weightiness to the group, that when they're absent, their absence is really felt. And it seems hard to even put into perspective, but you live it or you experience it. Like every time I walk in the house, I feel like this is a different family. We're in a new space. This is a new group. Uh, yeah. So I guess what you're saying really applies. We are mourning. I, I was very sad to say goodbye to my girls. Um, and I think a lot of people right now are saying goodbye to somebody or someone's, several people. When we launched Ariana in Georgia, I was with several families that had two to three people that they were having leave the house for the first time. And a couple of them were already empty nesters for the first time. And it was really, um, I was really sad. And I think this is the first year where when my girls left, I felt uh, for the first time, a sense of a one at one point in one day, we'll have no one here. I've never felt that way before. I've always been eager to have them move on <laughs> out of the nest. We need your bed. We need your closet. Um, half joking. But this was the first time where I felt, oh, okay, I can see Tom and I not having any kids in the house. And it was really um, empty. It felt empty, and I don't know why, because we have each other, and we have the Lord, and we'll have them all living around us or somewhere with you know future spouses or in-laws, son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, but I don't know, and it, I, it's hard. I, I know people mourn it. I know these people that are empty nesters. They have to kind of fill that time with, like, let's travel or let's join a cooking class or let's, I don't know, go to daily mass. <laughs> um, I've, you know how I I'm felt sure. it? it it struck me. I came downstairs. So uh, the the two girls that got launched back, one Ariana and then Mary Catherine went back to Franciscan and Ariana 
went to the the world race to do her missionary year. And so big shout out, gratitude, thank you to all folks that you heard when Ariana was on and made a contribution. She was fully funded. So thank you to all, all the folks who made a financial contribution to help her run this race for the next nine months. It's a huge blessing and you share in any good that happens in her and through her, through your giving. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I came downstairs and, and those two girls, they share a bedroom. That bedroom was empty. And I had the thought because it, it was their, their absence was palpable. In three years, the two boys who are also downstairs are going to be gone. And Carrie, all of a sudden, we're in a home where we don't need half the house. The, the whole downstairs in three years is going to be empty. And it was, a, it, was a, it was like a time warp where I, I don't think I've done that before. I think that you and I, whenever we like think about, oh, where are we going to move to? The house is always bigger. <laughs> right because oh there's all the kids right and all the they're kids all gonna and come all live with us <laughs> and well and now it's it was very clearly in my mind i connected in with the point that you were making to me which was no we're downsizing we got to look for a smaller house and it really struck home to me that the size of the homes we're looking at uh should not be the sides of the sizes of the home that we were even looking at this summer thinking about for our family, they were always big enough to hold most, if not all, of our kids. Well, you don't know what God has for us and who will be living with us. So I really, I want to put that in His hands. But we want to buy an apartment building. <laughs> put what, that was kids not funny. In, put kids in every every apartment. <laughs> no, um, it, it is interesting. I think we learn a lot by looking at our older siblings and those around us and take notes, but. Yeah, it was a hard week. Um, the launch was awesome. It was phenomenal. I, when you say the launch, what the do you mean, launch. dear? Um, we went to Georgia and about... We, you, and Ariana. You're good. Sorry. I'm just clarifying. Why hey, why don't you just share? Because you know the story. I wasn't there. <laughs> you know, do you want to go? I will fight <laughs> you right now. <laughs> you keep interrupting me. Um, Ariana and I. What what airline? <laughs> Sorry, that was too easy. Carrie, you just kind of walked me into that one. So, are you done? Are you are you continue? Do you get all your humor <laughs> comments out? Um, we went to Georgia with about three hundred other parents, uh, grandparents, siblings, and there were five teams that are going on the. It's called AIM Adventures in Mission. There's different kinds of missions, and she's doing the nine-month gap year. It's really a, a 11 months because she's in uh, Georgia for six weeks and then two more weeks in the States, and then they go to Guatemala. But um, they prepare the families. A lot of these families, this is their first child they've ever had go on a mission trip away from the home, away out of the United States for a year. I mean, it's not really common that you'd have your kids away this long unless maybe you're in the military. Without seeing them. Without seeing them. And they you, don't come home. Well, we hear from them through the phone. I mean, they'll FaceTime every now and then. Or right now they're doing a detox where they are not ha they don't have their phones for a while. But um, it's just in today's world, a lot of these parents are very, um, very prayerful, but also cautious and wondering what's this all about. The beautiful thing about the mission group, Adventures in Mission, they have a lot of people get up and share testimonies, um, trained speakers or people that just love God and have great faith and share just really powerful ways in which the mission trip is actually changing their whole family. It wasn't about just the racer and how they're going to be changed. Um, it's really about the parents being changed, the kids, the siblings, healing, uh, transformation, setting free, letting go, you know, being unbound. A lot of the parents... Um, a lot of the people that work at on the missions or that work for this organization have been impacted by their child going on the race, and it's almost like the Lord lead the Lord uses the the racer, our our children, our teenager, as the bait to hook us in finding our mission. A lot of these couples that shared, you know, came from a good home. Dad was working, mom was working, somewhat of empty nesters, and just not really fulfilling a full mission for their life and their 
God's purpose and trying to find it in the United States, trying to find it in their town or in their city, in their church, in their family, all good stuff. But when they let the Lord speak and move and be open to the, His Holy Spirit, what God had for them was so much greater, was so much more powerful, was beyond any joy or um, goodness or sense of God fills me to overflowing that they could have encountered had they just stayed comfortable in their home and their retirement and in their town. And to just be kind of having each of our hearts, minds being opened and seeing a vision for what God would have for us, Tom, as our kids start to leave the home, to know that there's so much more. And so we just, it's funny, we weren't going to talk about this, but we just described how there was this empty feeling as our kids start to leave. And then, like, God, could you really do more in us? Is there more to be done? Do you have more purpose? And and yes, I, I don't know how God answers that for each couple, but I'm just telling you, the stories we heard were so beautiful and life-changing. Um, anyhow, so we think the race is actually about helping the mission fields, helping the people in Guatemala or in Romania, um, Estuatini, but it's really about the racer being transformed, your child growing. It's almost like... Um, they're radically uh, exposed to their lack and and God fills it. So it matures them in all sorts of relational dynamics. Yeah, I'd say your final point there about uh, this world race, this gift year, this yes. year of, oh, let's go. It's not about something not being empty. That's it's so about funny. a gift. It's about it's finding meaning and getting grounded in the gift that you are and the gift that you're called to bring. That the um, that's a truism that it's it's about the transformation of the one who's going to serve, much more than the transformation of the places and the people where they're serving. And so, I you know that's true on net national evangelization teams on focus. Right. It it's because you become the one that's out there on the line. You become the one that says, I'm leaving behind the other contexts for my identity. Like I can have a context for my identity that is I go to this school, I belong to this club, I enjoy I'm involved on this team in this sport, I work this job, I have these friends. And so all of those contexts can uh, veil the centrality and the profundity of our identity found in Christ and in fulfilling his mission. You said that better than any speaker I listen to. Oh, yeah? Have you read that book? No. Kingdom Journey? Oh. Yeah, what you just said was the heart, the crux of their message, is that they're stripped away from all, I don't know, familiar identities and left abandoned to God to be filled by him. Right, and I think that that's... Isn't that what, that's why we want our daughter there. I think that's why, for us, why we were so happy about Ariana doing that. And and folks have heard us say this, right? Our oldest daughter did it. And that's what they told us. They promised us. I forgot so much of the goodness of this program until I was there again. And I, I, it was really awesome. And again, I come back saying, every one of my kids is going on a race. They're going to go on a gap year and go be filled by the Lord. And we're not helping them with college or anything until they've done this. It is, what is it called when you have that season where you grow up and it's kind of missing in our culture today? You asked me that before. I mean, you couldn't come up with the and term? I, yeah, I, w- I didn't know what you were talking uh, it's about. It's going to so bug me. It's not I, It came to me, and now not... I forgot it. It's the stretching it's, of a person. Are you talking about like certain tribes have a ritual? Yes. Where they What's that called? Have them a, a growing up ritual, right? Yes. Yeah. Where they go out I, I and no they idea, have to. <laughs> okay, I'm going to look it up. I'll have it. Okay, we'll come up with the word before the but end of the program. They said there is not that ritual in our culture. You just go from high school to college to go get a job to try to make money, and then you just get consumed by our culture and by the world, things around you. Like some kind of initiation type thing. I'm going to look it up. I'm okay. not going to sit here and try to figure it out. I just, that's why I use Google. But um, this whole um, experience just stops it all. And it says, no, get off that rat race and go find the Lord or let the right. Lord find you. Yep. Well, otherwise, for so many kids, college becomes 13th grade and you're just not, 
you don't have parental supervision. 13th grade without parental supervision, which right. is a horrible... That's that's what <laughs> your freshman in college is. And, and you know, there are parents who are like, I, I want them to stretch their wings. I want them to... to I do, yes. I'm that parent. At Franciscan University. No, well, but what I mean is like, they're not afraid of the, oh, go enjoy the parties and go get go be wild a little bit and and that not very life-giving i don't know well we'll we'll pause on that point and come back okay hi this is dr tom curran and you know me as the host of sound insight i am also letting folks know that As a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. So Carrie, I was praying to Jesus during the break and a phrase came to me and I knew that I was right, but it took a, there was like a passage of time before I got to how right it was. Is that funny? That's not funny. (laughs) Rite of passage. Is that funny? You looked it up. (laughs) Full disclosure, folks. I did not look it up. It came to me. Did it really? Yes. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I thought it was season. I thought there was season, but... It was a rite of passage. Well, it came to me like I told you, and then I forgot, and it comes to me. That's what happens in my life. They come and go, come and go. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's a rite of passage, and there really isn't that experience or uh, um, this does not happen in our culture in a way it used to. And Because when you go away to college, I'm just making this up off the cuff, you are not really disconnected from your family. You have a phone. You have technology. You have the ability to... Get anything, have anything. Don't you remember? Do you either one who told me about this new phenomenon of, you know, parents that only have one kid, where they move to the town where the kid is going to college? I think you heard that a few years ago. I remember you telling me about yeah. this. It was like with their parents, whole... with like super successful kids that were at Stanford. Their parents are like, let's buy, let's rent a house in the neighborhood so we can be around, helicopter their kid. Well, just think of it. When I was in college, I called home once a week, if that, and it was on a paid phone. It was, you know, you had to pay the, so it kept it short. And then you didn't have the ability to go to the store and get food or get anything that you needed because you didn't have a car. And you were just stuck on campus with very little resources. Nowadays, kids Uber Eats, they Uber a car, they they have access to just a plethora. Look at our kids ask you for money. You can Venmo them anytime. They ask us for money. You. I say no. <laughs> Tom's, let's go. So no, just there's not this rite of passage, even when you send kids to college. It's not like when we went to school or when we went to college, where I was missing home and I was sad. And I just couldn't go on Amazon and order a bunch of stuff to fill the ache, <laughs> like our daughter did. Or... um there's also a ton of connection or a way to just be distracted. I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. All I know is this program where you have to go to Romania and Guatemala and you have to do the hard easy, it really, and you're it's really discipleship. They're being discipled the whole time with uh, teams, mentors, coaches. These are three different people or, t- or groups that, meant that um, disciple them, plus parents that are called to do these vision trips. Anyhow... As the they unload or as they come to realize they need the Lord and they need to let go of stuff and allow healing to happen, they're surrounded by just fantastic spiritual uh, mentors. And it's just so, I don't know, it's just so awesome. I just love this. I love these type of programs. I'm sure there's others out there, but right. it just makes me so excited for the well, kids. And, and here's the thing, like... We won't belabor this much longer, but as parents... <laughs> Till next week. <laughs> well, as parents, what are you and I striving to do above all? It's to fulfill our God-given responsibility 
to introduce our kids to a relationship with the Blessed Trinity. We do that through membership in the Catholic Church, through baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, the sacraments, but encouraging them, exhorting them, throwing them into situations where they will make those objective realities personally appropriated. They'll make them their own, where I want to pursue Jesus Christ as the supreme value in my life. I want to ground my sense of awareness of who I am and what I'm about in Jesus Christ. That, it's not just the objective realities of their doing stuff. It's the interior conforming and transformation of life to Jesus Christ. So, and that that is hard to see happen in the home, I think, when it doesn't happen at a certain point, because now it's mom and dad telling them to go to church, go to youth group, go get a job, go get good grades. You know, we're still the bossy bosses. And so I feel kids today, at least our kids, always don't feel like they're choosing it. I remember when I went away to school and I actually chose to go to daily mass on my own. I remember Mary Catherine just called yesterday and she said, Mom, I'm going to Mass. I thought, wait, it's Tuesday or Thursday or whatever day it was. I said, Are you going on your own without me telling you? Or she goes, Yeah, Mom. She goes, Aren't you proud of me? I go, Yeah, I am actually. <laughs> um, so I do remember when I went away or when you go away and then you have this autonomy to choose. Eating, eating healthy or working out or studying hard or whatever it is, those, those good things. You also have the, the opportunity to choose bad habits. Well, I, and I think that letting them, like for Ariana, she's going to be immersed in an environment where there's a bunch of other young people her age who are committing themselves to a situation where they're going to be sacrificing, being stripped down, and they're going to be presented with Jesus Christ on a day-to-day basis to pursue him and being enabled to pursue him and taught and trained and formed to pursue him in prayer and in the scriptures, just a lot of teaching. Yeah. All of that. And, and again, we saw the transformation in Mary Grace's life. And that's why we're so excited and convinced about saying, find something like that for your son or daughter. If not that find something that has those elements I almost feel, and I almost feel, Tom, that that's more important than getting a college degree. If Ariana were to come home and say, okay, I want to be a missionary, or or I want to pursue, I don't know, but she knows the Lord, and she has this strong sense of identity in Him, I think that's so much more valuable. What does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? You fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. What does it, what will all that grain bins in the world do for you? Uh, John Luke said to me, Dad, if I got a D1 scholarship or if one of your kids got a D1 scholarship to any school, even the most the prominent schools in the country, uh, would you let them go? Would you support it? And, he asked you that? Yeah. That's interesting that he even asked you that. Well, he's a question guy. He loves asking questions. And so he asked that question. And I said, no, I wouldn't. D1 full Division ride one. scholarship to Stanford. No. I said the only school, D1 school, if there was a scholarship, full scholarship to it that I would say yes to, not Notre Dame, was which one? Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Why? Because it's right here and we'd be like <laughs> on them. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want that. Hey, I know a lot of great kids that are going to amazing schools and their faith is not drowning. It's it's a rarity. So it's not... But if you look at the majority of kids, if you play look at the, the odds, you play the odds. You're playing the odds. Do you want odds. to send your kid into the jungle unarmed and hope that they come out the other side? I, or how about this? How about this situation? You have a, a kid who loves the Lord, super strong, like our, our goddaughter, spent the whole four years fighting the high, the college culture, did not make deep at friends. At a Catholic school. Did not flourish in her own faith in a group of women that loved her on her helped form her, take her deeper. She, by chance, went deeper and held on for her dear life and had to face... Just so, talk about not flourishing, not enjoy, not just really f- coming fully alive in your college years because you are fighting all the woke and all the, the just darkness and sin. And it's not... Um, 
it's not that some of the Catholic schools don't promote goodness, but it's so, it's so gray. It's, it's compromised. so compromised. And I would, I would just fall right into it. Yeah. So I would. I'm not strong. Well, and Carrie, this perspective, this is like crazy that this perspective is so strongly held by us right now, just compared to where we were at three years ago. Three years ago, we were scratching and scraping and trying to help our daughter get into Notre Dame. That was five. Oh, f- five years ago. Okay, so. That was five years ago. I know. And then she was a good girl. She was a, She had a strong um, personality, but I would not say she had a strong faith. It was solid, but it was not Comparatively, strong. she had an amazing faith, but compared to where she's at now, no. So, I, I mean, it was, well, just to say, five years ago, we were totally on board with, you get them dialed in in high school to the best academic program to get them teed up to be able to get the best opportunity to get into the very best or most prominent college possible, get on that golden Rolodex, get those connections, find a good spouse, and then, oh, by the way, cross your fingers. We hope they're going to find good Catholic friends at the Newman Center or if there's going to be focused missionaries or there's going to be some kind of Catholics they can group up with. And there are. I mean, there are those good things. All of those elements are there. <laughs> they right? are there. Yeah. It's just the odds are not good. Right. The alternative is you hear a lot about the Newman list, right? That list of colleges that the Newman Guide puts forward yeah. as potentially, right, uh, in the words of a of a friend of ours out here, a better mousetrap, right? No guarantees, no guarantees, but just the higher likelihood for success uh, that um, that the norm is going to be in your favor, right? The majority culture and and uh, the energy is going to be towards uh, a full flourishing Catholic faith. I should probably not say this. But I'm going to say it. I be and I think I've actually mentioned this during COVID. I've begin I've begun to even doubt: Do my kids need to be in high school for four years? Do they need to do the four years? Can they just opt out their junior year and their senior year go on a mission, or their senior year go to college? Do they really need four years? I don't know. There's there's so much about COVID that exposed the whole education system and the whole formation of our teens and our young adults today. And I, I know they're going to get better formation on a mission, in a mission program than they would another year living with mom and dad. It's almost like the quicker they move away from us, the quicker they're going to grow up. I hope. <laughs> I, hope. I, I guess I, this is the wound of, of, our kids not having awesome jobs all summer and trying to figure out, okay, maybe I just need to kick them out. <laughs> They'll realize how hard life is anyhow. Well, one of the things that I was reaffirmed in is the importance of praying for the release of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Catholics. I had that sense because of a couple of conversations I had with priests and one of the one of the conversations was from a priest who has been impacted by the Catholic charismatic renewal and this is not about the Catholic charismatic renewal this is about a catholic fundamental idea that grace can be communicated but not fully received that is a foundational idea about the theology of grace and aquinas talks about reviving that grace and so there are too few Catholics and even Catholic priests who lack the understanding that Pentecostal, that the gift of Pentecost was communicated to Catholics at their confirmation. And many of them are, are walking around with Pentecost in their pocket. Why are you talking about this related to college and high school teenagers and young adults? Because... These young adults, these teenagers heading off to high school or college, they are attempting, if they even strive to, attempt to live the Catholic faith without power, without the power that God provides. It is doomed to failure. You get stuck with, remember what I call it, try harder Christianity. The 
This is the ideal set up by Christ in the scriptures. How well do we do against that ideal? Not very well. What do we need to do? Try harder. Find the, find the oomph within you and just make a more serious effort. Be determined. And it is so frustrating because what God is calling us to requires the power that only he provides. And he has provided it. And darn it, we Catholics have not been told about it. So how do I really feel? I know you're getting edgy. I'm getting edgy. Well, I, I, I shared about this. So the one priest that I, uh, we, I was talking to, you said, hey, call him up. And, and, and I did, and he answered the phone and is talking to this priest, known him for 20 years, and he said, Tom, he said, I'm the only priest I know in my diocese, you know, this priest I've known for 20 years, he's only, he's only, I'm the only priest I know in my diocese that understands the theology of the Holy Spirit. This theology that the Holy Spirit was given was lavished upon every Catholic at confirmation, and yet the huge, overwhelming majority have that gift of Pentecost in the closet, all locked up, all buried. And and he's like, you have to press on, press on in helping Catholics awaken to the power of God that is uh, given to them as their inheritance. Pray for them. Pray and teach them to pray for that power of the Holy Spirit to be released. And so we did that on Tuesday. It was awesome. It was awesome. So you, did you get the email I sent you? I did. Was that cool? Very beautiful. It yeah, was there so was encouraging. A woman came forward and said, uh, pray for that release of the Holy Spirit. I want, Tom. I want it. Let's go. She was so darn char- darling. And so we prayed for her. And then when she was done, she said, one more thing. My hip is really hurting. It's in a lot of pain. Pray for my hip to be healed. And so we did. And we got a message today, so two days later. Testimony to share. A woman's hip was healed. No more pain. God is just beginning. Well, hey, in some people's lives, he's, you know, gone far beyond. But I just feel like he's just beginning. Amen. All right, back in a minute with more on this topic today. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern along with my wife, Carrie. Carrie, God's word is living and active and has the power to strike hearts and minds. It is active. Didn't you like that? That was a nice little intro to you. Come on. I No, God's word has, boom, it's been really thick and, out, and pouring out. In, um, it's his grace. To be able to hear it or to see it or to know it, it's his gift to us. I can, it's just crazy how you can read something and there's a little impact and then you read the same thing and the Lord opens it up and it's a gift. It's like opening up a package. He lets you open it. (laughs) Sometimes it just stays closed. Anyhow, this is from Wisdom. This is the reading from, for the Mass this Sunday. I went to read it because I'm not able to be a part of the family Bible that I usually do because on Tuesdays we do the, the, um, the prayer meeting. Prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. But this is so beautiful. Um, who can know God's counsel? Or who can conceive what the Lord intends? For the deliberations of mortals are timid and unsure are our plans. For the corruptible body burdens the soul and the earthen shelter weighs down the mind that has many concerns. And scarce do we guess the things on earth and what is within our grasp we find with difficulty. But when things are in heaven, who can search them out? Or who ever knew your counsel except you had given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? And thus were the paths of those on earth made straight. I'm going to end it there, but it goes on a little bit. That's beautiful. What strikes you? What strikes you? Yes. <laughs> I was reading this uh, in the light of, I uh, just felt so weighed down today by the myriad of things that were pressing in on my mind and heart about what I needed to do. And it's relationships, it's reaching out to people, it's sending cards, it's making a phone call. And this had nothing to do with 
all the back to school forms and registrations and uniforms and supplies. And I'm going on a trip with the school to Yellowstone on Tuesday for several days. So just all the prep that that takes leaving home. Um, and then it didn't have anything to do with the things going on in the house. <laughs> I love how it says, and the earth and shelter weighs down the mind. That has many concerns. Let's just talk about the concerns of our home and our cars. Um, so do you ever feel like, maybe you don't have this happen, but I feel like sometimes I don't even know where to begin and I just feel in a swarm. swarm and I have lists. I do have lists and I try to make a list before I go to bed. So when I wake up, I have a plan. But it just seems hard, especially with the kids still all home. It just feels like I'm not making much progress or there are so many goods and I'm not sure which one to choose. Hey, I got this word. I told this to Father Lewis when we had our meeting last night. I said, Father, <laughs> this has nothing to do with the scripture, but we're, um, was it Quavatus? I always say it. No, the Melchizedek Project. Okay, Melchizedek Project. And there's like 12 couples, no, like 10 couples, and the bishop was there. And I was helping him make, you know, serve drinks to everyone. And I just grabbed a bottle of wine and just like put the cork, the cork thing right yeah. on it and just opened it. I never take the little plastic thing off ahead of time with the little scraper. It's a technical term, the scraper. I just pop it right in and because it takes too much time. And then I just peel it off at the end. And father comes over and he sees how I'm just hacking his bottle of wine. And he kind of gives me this little chiding chuckle, like, are you kidding? <laughs> I said, Father, you've been to our house many times. You know I just hack things. <laughs> I did not have time to take this paper off or the plastic um, top on, topping off. And I said, but Father, the Lord told me yesterday, Jesus is the best and biggest hack you will ever have in your life. And he just looked at me and I said, no, no, I'm telling you. It came out of the blue because I like to hack things left and right because I'm trying to be, I, I'm so full of the myriad of, you know, things I have to go through every day and I want to get things done quickly and Carrie, fast. There, there, there's a whole segment of our population that are <laughs> listening to this who don't know what a hack is. A hack where you like hack a into some, a shortcut. You like when you have- A workaround. <laughs> you know, it's like you have to go do five errands and then the Lord just opens up. He brings someone into your life who helps you. He he opens up freedom, opportunity, space. He does it beyond, above anything you could have thought of in these certain cir circumstances. I mean, I'm giving stuff over to him left and right because <laughs> he is the biggest and best hack you will ever have. It's called my shortcut. But no, a hack is very relevant. It's it is, a very relevant term. I like it's it. It's a hack. I just feel like when we give our, our priority to him and our heart to him and our time he intervenes as scriptural. He steps in and takes over and he helps. He's on our side. He's on behalf of us. He goes before us. Anyhow, it was just funny when I said that to Father Lewis regarding opening a bottle of wine. Well, you, uh, th that was the paraphrase of the catechism in the section on prayer. Uh, when you fight for God, God fights your battles. So when you fight to put God first, put God in your life, make God, make your relationship with the Lord the first thing. When you fight for God, you'll find that God fights your battles. And so that is, that's a daily battle for a lot of people because I, because a lot of people face what I faced this morning when you came out and sat down and started talking to me, <laughs> interrupting my prayer time. I was sitting there and I was, I was doing my, my prayer and I had finished my uh, office of readings and was sitting quietly and I had a little notebook next to me, and and, I, and that that was a bad thing, because the notebook was meant for um, some reflection time when I was going to read, uh, do some spiritual reading. Um, but what ended up happening was when I was sitting quietly, oh, I have to get that done today, and so I wrote it down. Oh, I've got to get that done today, and I wrote that down, and pretty soon. I had reflections on the left side of the page, and on the right side was a longer list of things that I just had to get done today. And I felt like I had polluted my prayer because these things were weighing down on me. And what is within our grasp we find with difficulty, but when things are in heaven, who can search them out? Does that apply? Yeah. Well, what does that mean to you? 
So what that means is, is, is the great act of surrendering. Let I just surrender all these things into your hands. I'm not going to think about them. I'm not going to write them down. I'm not going to stop in fear that I'm going to forget it. Let I, just, I, I want to forget everything but you. I, I don't care if I forget everything. You'll take care of everything if I take care of my relationship with you when I put you first. And let me just dwell in your presence, Lord. And you'll take care of it. You'll take over. But it is so difficult to make that decision. I uh, This is a funny one. I have been going to these different prayer meetings at different Christian churches just to worship. I just, my heart, I'm hungering. The Lord is making space to take out things that my flesh desires, and he's filling it with his it's worship. I don't know how to describe it, but he's making it easy for me to seek after him, which is an amazing, awesome place to be because it's not typical. It's a grace. It's a grace. And so he's making it really easy for me to desire him, to go after him, to seek him. And I go to these different worship churches, and they have like amazing singers. I mean, just like phenomenal. I thought, I want to go up to them and say, do you want to come to our prayer meeting and help lead worship? Do you want to come sing at our church? Do you want to come like help with some kind of prayer meeting? And then I think, well, they're not Catholic. I don't know if they'll th- what they'll think of, you know, the stuff about Mary, and I don't know. So, well, maybe I could pay them. This is why I was, I'm worshiping. Maybe I could just pay them, like, <laughs> an hourly rate and just say, I'm going to hire you. <laughs> so I'm just, this has been on my mind for the last two weeks, maybe three weeks, just praying, praying, Lord. And then I go to a, the lake, and I meet five new families. Well, and a couple a, of them I know. Set, it was a set time to, to get together. Yes, thanks. So this gal said, hey, you want to come? And we're trying to get these kids all connected because they're all starting school. And I said, sure. So I met this wonderful lady. They moved here from Ohio. And she says to me, oh, I, I love leading worship in front of the adoration, um, Eucharistic adoration. I used to go to these you know, praise and worship churches. And she goes, I learned so much how to lead worship. I learned how to pick really great music. And she just said, it's a gift. I love it. And I was like, you lead worship? Like you actually, she goes, oh yeah, not only that, she goes, we do this worship ministry where we bring teenagers in and we have the teens come and then we, you know, worship with them. There's a teaching and then we do ministry and lay hands because a lot of them have anxiety and depression and suffering, struggling, feel alone. You know, they don't know where to go. I said, oh my goodness. Okay. So just first of all, I just got done talking about the need for that a week ago at a, at a meeting about how we want to see God move or how God wants to move. I said, we need to get the young adults over here, or the teenagers, in adoration, with worship, with healing. I go, that's exactly, I go, I'd never heard this before, but she goes, oh no, this is a whole program. We do it in Ohio. She's from Ohio. She was really powerful. I go, and you know how to do this? Oh yeah. And then I said, and you can sing? And then this, my friend goes, oh my goodness, Carrie, she has an amazing, amazing voice. I said, Jesus hack. <laughs> Jesus is the biggest. He just brought this amazing He's person. Like, you, you want this? I'm gonna oh I'm gonna move a family here I from don't Ohio. Have to go interview seeking. a bunch of moms or ladies. Yeah. I don't have to pay them. I don't. And the thing is, I said, "How did you end up in Coeur d'Alene? She goes, "The Lord just told us to move." I go, "But no, really. Like, do you have different options? Rethinking the Benedict option." She's, "What's the Benedict option?" I go, "Okay, never mind." So where's your family from? Ohio. Where's your husband's family from? Ohio. You left both your families and came to Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, God told us to move. I was like, hallelujah. Okay, I just confirmed that word. <laughs> I just shared. We had a just heart-sharing moments. It was really beautiful. So when I read the scripture and I feel the weight, because when you read the, this book of wisdom or this chapter in wisdom, you sense this burdensome, the earthen shelter weighs us down. Our corruptible body burdens the soul like... You know, I'm eating too much, or I don't want to work out because it takes time, and I really want to do the things of the Lord, or um, we're unsure well, of our, pan, our plans, we're timid, we're like, Lord, what are you doing? It's just so funny. And then you say, whoever knew your counsel except you had given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high, and thus were the paths of those on earth made straight. I was like, Lord, make our path straight, man, because I'm feeling like there's a lot that is burdening me. And it's not bad stuff, typically, but it's a grace. So when I said, Tom, the Lord makes it easy, I have been, I cannot tell you the areas where the Lord's just taking away the desire for things that I used to desire. It's like watching TV, because you guys know how I sometimes will watch Hallmark movies, or listening to podcasts on politics or on the economy, gone. TV, it's minimal, like really minimal. Uh, Festive merriment and drinking, gone, like 
I don't have a desire to drink alcohol. It's like, Lord, take that away. I don't want to be bothered with that burden. The desire to go shopping, the desire to, it's like these little things. It's just, he's emptying them. He's like, he's lessening the hold they have on my spirit. And he's saying, come worship, come worship. So I like literally every night last week, I was at a different church, <laughs> leaving my kids, leaving my husband. You guys are, dinner's fine. Order pizza. I'll be back in a couple hours. <laughs> Although I always say, hey, does anyone want to go with me? Um, now, this might sound like a break. This is all to God's glory. It, it, we shouldn't have to try so, so hard. It is a grace and a gift, his mercy, his goodness, his pouring out. When the Spirit comes, it is easy. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It is not that we fight against, you know, that there's a fight, but we're no longer fighting our flesh. We're fighting for the Lord. <laughs> we're no longer fighting, we're fighting the devil, but we're no longer fighting our own temptations and our sin and our things that weigh us down. We are, we are armed and ready to fight a battle for the Lord. He is arming his people. Have you felt this? No. Okay, I'll keep praying for you, honey. <laughs> you don't have the temptations I, I need do. A break. I need a break. You, you're always on mission. I, I'm I never love. on mission. You're, you live mission. I have to figure out how to get to mission. Hey, I love what you've just shared. It is super powerful. Let's break it open uh, on the other side of a break. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, what you just said before the break about when we have that sense of the Holy Spirit and His power at work in us, that things just flow, they're easy. The scriptures call that an anointing. When you have that sense of being anointed, and um, people that are in ministry, speaking, teaching, preaching, uh, ministering, uh, that idea of being anointed does show up. That's like, you know what, it was the same talk, I've given it a dozen times, 50 times, but there was something, it just flowed, right? Yes. That's the kind of thing you're talking about. And I think that we um, we think about the idea of an anointing as something that is extraordinary rather than ordinary, something that is out of the normal way of things versus, no, you can experience as a, as a typical, normal thing, this flowing in the power of God. And that does run counter to um, a kind of spirituality that involves, that, that focuses more on the fact that we're called to suffer. And in suffering, carry the cross of Christ. In some ways, it's, it's kind of funny, Carrie. In some ways, it's about which part of the sacred heart message do you focus on? Because today's the first Friday. It's a day dedicated to the most sacred heart of Jesus. And are you focused on the reality that the heart of Christ is this furnace of love that is immense and has become opened? He has chosen to become wounded as a doorway for us to have our small hearts discover a love that is overwhelming, or is the focus on the fact that that same heart is crowned with thorns, it has a cross on the top, and is inflamed, and we are called upon to pick up our cross and engage in works of penance and reparation for all of the um, all of the the negligence, all of the mistreatment, all of the abuse that we have, uh, we in the body of Christ have uh, poured out upon this heart that has loved us so much. So really, it's it's there are two sides to the coin, but what side gets the prominence? It takes first place. So that that's a thought, um, and so I know that. Even if the emphasis is on that second part that I just mentioned, too many Catholics go without the first part. Too few of us seek after, expect, and have had a profound experience of this anointing with the Holy Spirit where things flow with a sense of ease and power. 
Yeah, that's really true, Tom. And I think also in the midst of these different like spiritualities and how to approach the Lord, that he will guide and lead us and, and bring us into different levels or different experiences of him to, to strengthen us or to broaden us or to have us ready for what is on our, what is part of our personal story with him. Okay, so we're going to disclose something now that Uh-oh. is part of the. This is the, we rec, uh, we recorded this program on Thursday. We didn't get all the sections done um, in time, so we did all of the sections except for this last one, and then we went off into the evening. You went to another prayer meeting. <laughs> Had to go awesome. to another prayer meeting. Let's go. <laughs> and during while you were at that prayer meeting. We got a text from Ariana. We were talking about Ariana down at the World Race. She's at that training and all of that. And she sends this text. And the text says, just, and this is to the group. This is to the the crew, which is all of the kids, you and me, and your mom. Is that right? Anybody else? No. Okay. So all kinds of stuff gets thrown into that little group. Well, Ariana sends a text that says, just had like five healings in my squad. The squad is her group of eight girls that are part of this larger group of 50-ish young people that are on this, uh, in this training that she just landed Wait, I in. think the squad is the 40, the 50, and her team is the eight. Oh, right. Is Thank that you. right? No, no, no. She's on J-Squad, and oh, J-Squad is part of yeah, the so team. Yeah, so J-Squad is the 50 kids. Yeah. No, 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 no. J-Squad is her team of... of her group of whatever. <laughs> I believe I believe her squad carry is the is the smaller group. Okay, but the uh, so just had like five healings in my squad. I prayed over a girl's bloody finger and Jesus healed it. Like her nail was coming off and it was hurting a lot before I started. Crazy stuff. Thank you, God. Now. How how often does Ariana send texts like that? Never. Say, say that again out loud. Never. Never. The idea that she would be praying over someone, praying over a, um, a peer, praying over someone her own age, expecting Jesus to move with healing purposes. It's is not her. Not her. Not is not... Nothing about her background would say she is open to it, inclined to it, drawn to it, believes in it, expects it. I mean, she sees it from us and some of the prayer groups we've been to, but not... Never been immersed in it. Yeah, this, like, even reading it feels a little awkward. It's like, well, <laughs> she would write it. what did it take for her <laughs> to type that in? Like, you can sense the enthusiasm that's there, the, that fresh, like, wow, guys, I got to tell you. Well, Mary Grace, her oldest sister, who was on the race and went through that, said, heck yeah, pray for allergies and chronic diseases, stuff people think will never be healed. Also, see if anyone has uneven legs, needs a leg grown out. Nine out of ten times, God heals it. And then Ariana responds to that and says, haha, we did. Injured ankles, headaches, feet, and back, and legs. Lots of good things. Amen. I mean... So beautiful. <laughs> you can come home now. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No. I mean, <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Where does that happen? I think, for me, that is an incredible little just glimpse of what I sense God doing in the whole church. Amen. Awakening Catholics who have never had a background in this to expect God to move in supernatural ways. All right, there you go. Thanks for walking with us through the program today. Pray God's blessings on you, and join me on Monday for another program.